Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello. All right. Also joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. That was quite melodious. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. Joining us all the way from Mercer, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. I have to say, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do this show because I've been really sick for two solid weeks and have been getting worse. But then I went to my general practitioner and he gave me a steroid shot. I'm on steroids. Whoa. Are you juicing it? Is that what you're, is that what you're breaking down for us? If I, if I get really upset, I'm going to chalk it up to, road, to roid rage and I'm just going to go off. Wow. Yeah, don't chalk it up to road rage. You should not be recording this podcast while driving. Juice <laughs> is not the answer younger that's right this is gonna be our best podcast ever and it's gonna be asterisked <laughs> yeah that's gonna have an asterisk and it's not gonna count in my stats look i get it they'll you, never be able to listen to this podcast in canton i i, I know <laughs> that you see a lot of other podcasters and they're totally ripped right they're totally stacked <laughs> yeah and you think how do i get to be like that they want to be cut yeah and you think maybe there's a substitute but it doesn't work, Lee. That's right. It does. It's not worth it, man. It's not worth Shortcuts it, man. Shortcuts never work out unless you're here's someone who gets paid tens of millions of dollars to play a game, and you take the shortcut and it works, and you get paid those tens of millions of dollars. Well, then, In that yeah. case, it kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> here's what I'm saying, though, is if, uh, if, if my answers, if the wisdom coming from me tonight is quick and strong and right and good, and you guys are just feeling like, man... Next week, I'm juicing. Yeah, yeah. I don't probably, blame you. Probably I will. Yeah, sure. This uh, this is probably the only podcast that's on steroids. Probably. Well, we're certainly. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, betting there's a few ESPN offerings that would beg to differ with that. Maybe you're right. <laughs> we're the only podcast that's on steroids and has the humility to admit it. There that's you go. Definitely the only podcast that's, that's proud of being on steroids. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I'm on the juice, and this is the shape I'm in on the juice, which is kind of sad for all of us, I think. <laughs> all right. Before we get rolling here, we're going to start with a very rare, possibly first mm. ever, Say That Apology. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Now, we're not apologizing for any of the uh, horrifically stereotypical things we've said about countries. Okay. Well, we've done a lot of that. Groups of people. Yeah. We've or, offended uh, lots and lots of sure. countries. We've talked bad about uh, denominations. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. Most churches. Christian publishing industry specific authors the film uh -huh. industry we're not apologizing for any of that we, we if anything yeah. we stand by that sure but we had a response that demanded an apology okay, okay. comes in from our friend and actually one of our uh, our one of our employees here at the bridge our friend pete yeah brother okay. pete lawson now we uh believe it's in the last episode episode 93 we, we were talking about some beer advertising right right looking to diversify to find some brave new advertising uh, forums which which involved signing up for Lee Younger Bridge Box. Yeah. Yes. Then we 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 create an advertisement and then we glue it to Matt's beard. Totally. Okay. And we walk him around advertising Bridge Box Lee Younger beard advertising. Yeah. You advertised it. We have had three signups since that happened, which I didn't <laughs> think of until right now. There you have it. So we know what the people want. And then as part of that, you were you were saying that there was somehow we started talking about funk. Well, we started talking about the beard, my beard having funk yeah. and being Scottish. And yeah. I pointed out that you can't do both. Okay. Have you ever heard of a Scottish funk band? I believe was the line. Right. Right. And that, that fired Pete's, Pete's anger muscles a little bit. Oh. 
And Pete, our friend Pete has been to the Wikipedia. Okay. Which is on the internet. Okay. That's, uh, I, I use that a lot. Most I, of what I know is from Wikipedia. Nice. That explains so much. I, I, if, I, if you could get a degree in Wikipedia, I'd have a Wikipedia education. Right I think now. there's a lot of kids out there that basically are getting a degree. Bachelors in Wikipedia. of Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we go, we go to Pete's email. He emailed in to say that podcast at gmail.com, as you can as well. And he, I read, I want to point out an error in your discussion of soul and the fine people of Scotland. What? On last week's episode to say that, Matt asserted that there was no such thing as a Scottish funk band. Right. But he was an error. What? It's in all caps, so you know it's serious. Yeah. He didn't go bold on me, which I appreciate. Right. We got all caps, and not one, not two, but three points of exclamation. Okay. Okay. Pretty serious. serious, y'all. Wow, dude. A simple Wikipedia search of the famous funk band, AWB, which stands for Average White Band, yeah, which apparently is a thing. Glenn's heard of it. We, I, we I I am old enough to know exactly what that is. Clue reveals their Scottish origin. As for Funky, I refer you to their hits: "Pick Up the Pieces," "Person to Person," "Atlantic Avenue," and "Schoolboy Crush." AWB but, was clearly a soulful, funky outfit whose music channels such fine titans as James Brown and Robert the Bruce. I think he went off the rails a little bit there at the end, but that's okay. Well, that's uh, Pick Up the Pieces is a funk classic, actually. That's like mainstream greatest hits of funk, actual greatest hit right well, there. Well, I hear that, but Glenn, I'm a little confused because, you know, Matt's over here uh, apologizing mm, for things uh-huh. we supposedly said wrong. Right. It doesn't sound like us. Close, right. I'm apologizing for a thing we said that was documentably wrong. But see, here's the thing. Is it documentably wrong? Because that doesn't feel right to me. Mm. And based on that, yeah, I'm declaring an emergency. It's an emergency. It's an anti-apology emergency. Lay it on me. Break it down for me. <laughs> Anti-apologetics. Look, there's a lot of things being thrown back and forth. Uh, aspersions being mm. cast. Sure. Character assassinations. Yeah. It's like a. It's like a a, a war on Christmas. Yeah. Only on. Funk music. Well, maybe on say that. You mean it's like a or, war on Christmas and that it clearly does not exist? It, it's a it's a it's a war on say that as if it were Christmas. Yes. Right? Yes, totally. totally. Absolutely. Because it's like, where is this coming from? Sure. All of a sudden. Sure. Who what, it's, it's what coming is it? from that thing we said. Because uh, do we have any proof? That's what I want to know. Not three minutes ago, you were saying, yes, this is a band I've heard of, and I like that song. Well, okay, maybe the band exists, although, you know, do we know that? Who's to say? Who's to say? Sure. And yes, they make music that is funky. Yes. And I did look it up on- Yeah. I looked it up on the, 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 the YouTube, and there's a guy in this band, like one of the lead singer dudes. Yeah. Who, no kidding, I saw like a, uh, 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 I think it was like a 70s, uh, it was them on Soul Train. Okay. Which was the that, greatest show the ever. the credentials. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. And that, a pretty serious uh, Chicago connection. And that's that's the, the best show that was ever on TV, is Soul sure. Train. They were on Soul Train like in the 70s doing, uh, uh, what was uh, their, their big Pick up hit? the pieces. Pick up the pieces. And the lead singer guy. No kidding, looked exactly 
like Matt King's less attractive cousin. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's beard a sad and all. state of affairs for a human being to be in. I mean, the exact same beard. Okay. So what I want to know is what's Matt's agenda okay. in bringing this up? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, he got us into this in the first place, and all of a sudden he stabs us in the back. Sure. Saying, yeah. oh, there's something wrong here. Well, see, I think... I, I think I can break this whole thing down okay, because break it I, down. I think there's there are agents probably of Osteen just trying to get at Whoa. us because Matt said Marvel's agents of Osteen was a terrible <laughs> failure for ABC. <laughs> <laughs> Matt said there's no such thing as a Scottish funk man. Right, right. right. We're all clear. It's They've on said the that record. Jest. All right, right, right. And that's and that's why our you know our detractors. Are right. coming to us trying to tear us down. Right, That's trying right. to mess. Detractors with being people Jed's known for a decade who actively help us in our ministry weekly. Right, like right. I said, sure, you know, and they're attacking all of us when I didn't say anything. Exactly so right. What is that? But go ahead. But here's what I'm Named saying. Named me in the email. Didn't mention Glenn or Jed. Here's what I want to break down. <laughs> it, it, average white band. Do yeah. they play funk music? Well, they were on Soul Train. They in the iTunes. They are listed under Funk Soul. Okay. Now, uh, here, again, are they Scottish? They claim to be. They claim to be. How, do we, don't do know. we even know? Wikipedia verifies. But we don't have a birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second. Okay, never mind. Go ahead, Dad. <laughs> good restraint. Good restraint. <laughs> we're we're going to be almost as good. Here's what I want to say, though. Sure, they're Scottish. Sure, they play funk music. That does not a Scottish funk band make. Okay. Oh. So you're saying the fact that they are Scottish band who plays funk, does not make them a Scottish funk band. That's exactly what I'm saying. Whoa. Let this is getting ask, very existential. Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, I'm just going to put this out here. A question for your consideration. Is a Scottish funk band a band composed of Scotsmen that happen to play American-style funk music? Right. Or is it a band composed of people of who knows what nationality right. who play Scottish-infused funk oh. music? Wow. That marry the sensibilities of, yes, Soul Train to the bagpipes. Right. That would be Scottish funk music. Right. That would be a Scottish funk band. Right. Does the average white band, do they have a pipes player? They don't play Scottish have style funk. That's what I'm saying. So therefore, unapologize. Unapologize. We have never, <laughs> ever been yes. wrong. That Jed, is correct. Are, are you forwarding the opinion that in order for something to be Scottish, it must involve bagpipes? No. I'm no. You're saying that Scottish music is defined by the bagpipes, which I have worries about your conception of what Scotland sounds like. <laughs> Just as let, you think it's just roving let, bands me, of pipers? Now listen, let me step in we right there. We have a piper there. down. Let me step in right there. Go for because it. there is a documentable history on this podcast of us having absolutely no idea what happens in other countries. <laughs> that is true. We cannot, that much is true. We cannot start blaming us for not knowing about anything. If anything, any culture. just knowing that pipes are Scottish is closer normally. We we once attacked Belgium. <laughs> we would think it was like Belgium or something. Yeah, we once attacked Belgium and we knew nothing other than Brussels sprouts and really large waffles. waffles. I want to okay. be clear that when you say we attacked Belgium, you mean verbally. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> that was we, did, we didn't try to. Yeah, we, we didn't try to invade anywhere. No, 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 no. We we lack the means. I mean, if we and could. the desire, we like the desire oh, yes, to invade yeah, countries yeah, yeah. as well. That's sure, important. Sure, sure. We love all the peoples of the earth. We've insulted a whole whole lot of them, but but you if know. you give to Bridgebox, we aren't using that money to fund an air strike capability. 
Correct. Against that your nation. Correct. That's important. As far as, so far as we know. See, those statements are worrisome. Well, you're, you're a leak in this organization, Brewer. Look, this is the whole thing. Right. This is the whole deal. There's people out there that are just clearly waiting for us to fall. Right. They're listening to every little thing we say. Right. Trying to find a problem. Right. You know, you know, trying to pick nits. Yeah, yeah. Just attacking on all fronts, man. What, we're, we're beset. <laughs> right. Is what we are. Right. You know, but what I'm saying is I have never heard a funk band with bagpipes. Right. That's got to be true. You show me a funk band with bagpipes, yeah, we'll give you an apology. We'll That's apologize. right. We'll give you a double apology. Right. But in the meantime. In the meantime. We stand by what we said. That's right. We're we unapologize. Okay. Yeah. We cancel out Matt's apology. We retract it because hey, look, hey, eh, look, everybody wants a piece of the say that podcast. Sure. Everybody want to try and take us out the game. Sure. And for obvious reasons, because we're we're trying to take over here. Absolutely right. Our goal is to be number one. Mm-hmm. And in order to be number one, you have to crush all other podcasts. Absolutely. We don't want to have to do it, but why are you trying to get in our way from being number one? See? Look, here's what's going on. Osteen clearly employing entire teams of researchers. Right. Going through the back catalog of the Say That podcast. Right. Looking for things to try and lay blame. And then he's putting it out there. That's putting what I'm it, saying. Put, getting, putting, getting in people's heads. That's, That's right. what he's doing. So he's he getting skipped in their over the time that Glenn said that the Australian marriage contract involves the exchange of koala pelts. Yeah. Yeah. He, that didn't strike the radar, but average <laughs> white band, he was he was all over it. See, that's the kind of insidious force we're dealing with. Right. <laughs> they strike where you don't expect it, Matt. Sure. I mean, sure. we said that all Canadians were liars because of the Canadian bacon situation. You mean, you mean you. And you all, and people listen to me in Canada, you know what you did. So, you know. But here's the thing is, if you're new to the Say That podcast, the problem we're dealing with here is Joel Osteen has a number one Christian podcast. He does. And uh, we, you know what? And as far as we're concerned, we don't mind getting along with him. You know, we're open to being nice about it. Sure, he could be number two. That's yeah, cool. That's, we, could be, we could agree on that right now. Yeah, totally. We could totally compromise. But what we kept seeing is things like this going wrong yeah like why is everybody trying to come at us all yeah. of a sudden yeah we can't say anything mm-hmm. about scotland yeah but somebody's got something to say you see sure. what I mean? like what what's the deal man yeah and then we we put it together you know who this is yeah. it's gotta be osteen yeah. say that who who has who else has the 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 stake in this thing see the stake in the raw research capacity yeah oh yeah you know he he's he's got he's got people working on this around the clock so you're saying that, as we all know, in most in most of those kind of big style mega churches, you got different teams of employees. You have a pastoral team, a, a sermon team that helps develop the sermon. Yes. And, you know, and you're saying there's a hit research team. Yeah. 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 Kind probably. of a smear campaign team. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 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 Sort of. Well, that's dir- the first sensible thing you said tonight. Sort of a dirty tricks kind of uh, department. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, you know, because we, you know, as far as we're concerned, we're we're ha- we're Hey, we'll get along with everybody. Sure. That we, this ain't coming from us. We're not calling up Osteen saying, "What'd you say about this and that?" And woo woo woo. No. See that we we ain't on that. No. He's trying to keep us down. That's what's happening. You mess with the bull, you're gonna get the horns. Exactly. <laughs> That's <Unapology>. a joke <laughs> from 1986, folks. 
Enjoy and, it. And that's, the, you know, because we don't apologize for anything. Exactly right. Unapology. <laughs> Unapology. Deal with that. And on that note, I declare emergency off. And apology off. Apology off. The feeling the next email we get is going to be from John Hughes' legal team. <laughs> all right. Well, all that international madness and musical education. I, I like we, people from Scotland. Sure. Don't we all? I hope we left you with the important thing, which is that if people keep signing up for Bridgebox Lee Younger, We'll do a photo shoot where we glue funny things to my beard. And, and can I add just one other thing? In the last podcast, we did discuss kicking puppies. Okay. Yeah. And you know what happened? We didn't hear a word on that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we the say puppy kicker lobby is pretty quiet most of the time. We, we say something about Scotland. All of a sudden, there's hostility. All of a sudden, a dude from Chicago has, has beef. That's what I'm we saying. We can't be clear that that email did not come from Scotland or someone who's ever been to Scotland right. or is of Scottish ancestry. Right. So this is what I'm trying to say is uh, I like puppies, and I think okay. we should be more concerned sure. about people uh, uh, you know, being mean How do you feel about puppies? Scottish carrier puppies? I've well, always loved puppies. This is uh, my on the my, record. My voting record is consistent. Uh, <laughs> I love Scotland and puppies. This administration is pro puppy. You heard it here first. Yes. All right. The important thing: missionusa.com/bbly. That's the Lee Younger branded Bridgebox. Get <laughs> music every month from Lee. You also get some cool stuff from Bridgebox Bible study sermons. Some extra goodies there. Only $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash BBLY. If you're already a Bridgebox subscriber and would like in on the Lee Younger goodness, email matt at MissionUSA.com, and I will send you a custom link to get both of those at $16 a month worth of Bridgebox for only $12 a month. Woo! All right, we're going to move Woo. to our first question here because we've been recording for 18 minutes. <laughs> this came into our Tumblr. It says, how do I figure out what God wants me to do when I'm not sure what I want to do? I'm in college. I'm stuck between two majors. I know I want to end up doing some sort of nonprofit work, but I'm not sure what type. I want to follow God. I'm just confused on how. Jed, can you start us off? I can. We really appreciate you writing in. And I know this stuff is hard, man. I know that it can feel really overwhelming and really confusing. And I think you have mostly answered your own question in the first line. You said, how do I figure out what God wants me to do when I'm not sure what I want to do? And I think that's the whole thing. I think for a lot of us with Christians, we're tempted to try and skip steps sometimes. Um, we're, we're tempted to try and, and jump to the end. I'll give you an example. So if somebody does something wrong to you, you know you're supposed to forgive them, um, which is true. But we have a way of trying to just jump on step one to that forgiveness piece. Uh, and, and life doesn't really work that way. If we, if we want to wind up with forgiveness, we have to start with being mad and um, talking out with God that we're mad and um, figuring out, you know, uh, what we're mad about. And then we work through a series of steps where ultimately we land on forgiveness. Well, it's a similar thing here. The right answer, definitely, for your life is to do whatever God wants you to do. That's true. That is where we want to land. But uh, there are some steps in between, and one of those steps is figuring out what you want to do. And as it turns out, if you don't know what you want to do, it's going to be very, very, very hard to figure out what God wants you to do. And there's, there's a variety of reasons for that, but um, 
you might find there's a bit of resonance between what you want to do and what God wants you to do. There, there may be a bit of overlap there, which is a really cool thing. Um, but here's the other thing is maybe God's asking us to sacrifice some of what we want to do for the sake of what he wants us to do. We can't really sacrifice something if we don't know what it is. So uh, we have to start with figuring out what do we want to do. And it's okay. Here, here's the first thing I'd have you know is that if you're in a place where you just don't know what you want in life, that's really okay. You're not alone mm-hmm. in that. There's there's actually a lot of people, particularly younger people, that, that feel that way. I think a lot of them feel embarrassed about that, and they don't need to. It It, it makes sense. What I would encourage you to do, is to start on a journey of figuring out what makes you feel alive. Yeah. What are the things that when you do them, they just they just bring you to life, man. You feel energized. You feel encouraged. You feel excited. Like, man, I can't wait to do that again. Um, start experimenting with stuff. That, that might look like... Um, you know, uh, getting together with uh, some guys, you know, uh, uh, once a week and um, just uh, uh, trading back and forth how each of you are doing and encouraging each other and praying for each other. Uh, that might look like uh, pitching in and helping out at a soup kitchen or homeless shelter. That, that might look like... Um, working with, you know, uh, kids at a Big Brothers, Big Sisters kind of center. And that might look like something that doesn't appear to be service-oriented at all. Maybe you're just really into rock climbing. Maybe you just, man, when you're out climbing, you just feel free and you feel alive. That's okay. There's a way to bring something amazing out of that because we can take the rock climbing and we can add the disadvantaged kids bit into that. Take the kids on the rock climbing with the thing and the trust thing because you're hoisting them on the thing and... That's the whole thing. You just yeah. you, you just rock their world, man. Yeah. Change their whole life. But to get there, we have to start out by figuring out what you're into. If you're crazy about music, there's a million ways to take m- music and that love of music and turn it into something really meaningful and really cool. But we can't know that that's the way we want to go if we don't know that we love music <laughs> first. So that's the thing I'd encourage you to do is take some time in your life and not be selfish, but be self-focused. Christians don't ever feel like they have the permission to do that. And right okay. now, in this moment, we want to give the permission, it's okay to be self-focused. You have to be in order to figure out how to be others-focused and how to be God-focused. Figure out what makes you tick. Figure out what brings you to life. You have things. You may not know what they are, but you have them and you can find them. Uh, we believe in you. Uh, we're here for you. Write back and let us know how that journey is going. That's a great point, Lee. All right, so what I want to do on this, and I, I love the stuff that Jeb was throwing down there, and what I want to do is I, I want to I want to point out a thing that we have in our culture. It's it's something that you hear from parents, it's something you hear from teachers, and and what we're gonna do is we're just gonna fire it. It just doesn't it just doesn't get to show up to work anymore, and that is that people will have this thing where they'll say, "Look, once you start something, you can never quit it. Yeah, you can never quit." So like. You have people that are like, you know, they're in their 12th year of piano lessons. They're not any good at it. They don't practice. They hate it. They hate doing it. And yet they still show up every week for another lesson because quitting is like the ultimate sin in our culture, like starting something and then quitting it. And here's the deal. When you go out there and you start trying on different things like Jed's talking about, you, you try out, you, 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 you know, work for a semester at this homeless shelter. You, the next semester you work at another place. That's the kind of stuff where you're starting, where like when you do that, where you do a lot of different kinds of things that helps you kind of triangulate 
what really makes you tick? What really makes your heart beat? What do you really have a burden for? You can find out like, what kind of people do I like to work with? What kind of situation do I want to be in? You start to figure out all this really cool stuff about yourself and, and, and what environment you work well in. But one piece of that is, if you go into a situation feeling like, well, I started here, so I have to be here for the rest of my life. Well, then if that situation doesn't work out, then you're stuck. And what I want to do is I want to dispel that old idea of you can never quit anything and just set you free to say, look, you can do something for a while. And then if it's not working for you, you can step out of it. You really, really can. You can quit and you can go try on something else. And the cool thing is when you quit something, you can, you can walk away from it and say, you know, this and this and this didn't work out, but I really liked this one piece of it. And you might find something that has that one piece, but dialed up to 10. And then you might get really, really close to finding out exactly where you fit. But I think one thing that you've got to be able to do is when you're, when you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do, you need to give yourself the permission to be a human being. And that means you don't have to keep doing the same old thing because you just, because that's, you know, an American value or whatever culture you are. That's just a value that you have. That's a cultural value that you can never quit anything. Don't take that thing. Give yourself the freedom to try something for a while and, and be completely free to move on from it. I know a guy that he, um, he got a job in a different city and he was going to have to leave his, uh, he was going to leave his church, leave a bunch of his friends and everything. And they decided they prayed about it. They packed up and moved and did this thing. And then it turned out he got into this new company that he was super excited about. And they had basically lied about everything. And his hours were crazy and the expectations were unbelievable. And all the clients hated him and talked about him. And it was a very unhealthy environment. He started to lose weight. He started to, he was, he wasn't sleeping and all this stuff. And he felt like, I have to keep doing this because I moved my family away for this job or whatever. And finally, some friends just sat him down and said, just quit, dude. Just quit. Okay. You moved. Big deal. Just quit. Ask the Lord for something else, go looking and just quit. And he did. And he found an amazing job, perfectly fitted to his gifts and the stuff that he's really, really interested in. And the Lord did have them there in that new city, but doing something else. Give yourself the freedom to be a human being, that not everything has to work out for you. And you don't have to look, it's not a, like starting a job is not a marriage. You are not committed to it for the rest of your life. Give yourself the freedom to quit and find something that fits. It's a great point, Glenn. Amen. And I, I actually am just going to expand on a, a lot of these thoughts. I like uh, uh, everything these guys are saying here. Uh, it, and I'll, I'll start where, where Lee was leaving off. I think a lot of what Lee's describing there is um, this idea of sort of a momentum that we have. When you're, when you're in high school, you have to get good grades to get into a good school. And then you get into that good school. Well, now you have to get keep having good grades to keep your scholarship and to get the thing and to get a really good job. And then you get the really good job. Now you have to do this job really good. So you get promotions and then you have to get married and then you have to have children and then you have to retire early. So you can spend time with your grandchildren. It is, there's this pressure at every point in your life. There's going to be a, a group effort of people saying, you gotta do the thing, man. <laughs> And uh, the thing that you need to know uh, is that if you allow that to just carry you along and, and if you follow that momentum and that that sort of uh, 
uh, everyone kind of, uh, you know, nudging you and urging you along on that. If you follow that, there's about a 5% chance that you'll be happy at any point in your life. Yeah. <laughs> so don't do that. Um, the, there was a there was a point in my sort of uh, uh, later college years where I realized I was getting a lot of this, you know, from my family and the people around me. You, know, you got to do this, man. You got to do that, man. And I, I said, well, you know, if I do that thing, if I make this really good grade, if I do this, make this whatever, get this job, whatever, will will you guys just butt out and leave me alone and say, wow, you did great. Now you're now you know what to do. We'll butt out. And give me a jaunty salute and say, well done, you know. No, you're just going to come up with more stuff. So why don't I just tell you, beat it and shut up now. Then I don't have to hear any of this ever again. And I can just <laughs> yeah. do, do my own thing. Because yeah. uh, you, what you're trying to get me to do is sign up for a lifetime of drama and pain and misery and nonsense. Uh, we got to get outside of that momentum because none of that has anything to do with what the Lord wants you to do yeah. at all. And that's, I think, one of your main struggles is I got to pick a major for heaven's sake. You don't have to pick a major. You could do. You can quit school and 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 go hitchhiking across the the country or something. It's a terrible idea going to the opposite extreme and it'll freak all your family out. But it's it's um. This mentality of I've got to fit into that mold so that everyone can relax, so everyone can feel good, so that everyone could feel as though I'm squared away. The thing is, if you're a good and responsible human being and you're handling the things you're supposed to be taking care of now, everyone should feel that now. If if there's if they're presenting you a hoop for you to jump through, that never ends. So we right. have to understand how that goes. Sometimes, bless their hearts, parents just get freaked out. They get worried. They get scared, and they just want you to just do well at every stage of this thing. And they get in. They want to push you. They want to you know get behind you and give you that goose in the behind and stuff. And sometimes that just gets to sort of a panic thing and a pressure thing, and it gets a little nuts there. And sometimes as, as, as kids in that situation, we have to say, okay, mom, dad, I don't know what my major is and it doesn't really matter. And I got plenty of time. So it's all, you know, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> the second thing I'll say with this real quick is um, the, the, the trick is to start vague and get more specific. This is a lot of what Lee was trying to describe to you here is this idea that, um, that you, you know people who are very specific about their calling. Those people have no idea at all what God wants them to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, you, what they know is the same thing that you know. What you know, you said here, I want to I, I end up doing some kind of nonprofit work. Okay, that's good. That's fine. That's all you need to know right now. That's plenty. You've got the right direction to head in. What, what they have is the same thing. They have a vague sense of the direction they want to head in. What they've done is they've sat down and filled in all those gaps for themselves. And then they put it all together and it looks really squared away and they have a major and everything. And then they put that in front of God and say, okay, sign to bottom. They didn't, they didn't ask God for any of that. They just pieced that together themselves and they're presenting it as a whole package and a calling quote unquote, but it's really just stuff they, they came up with on their own. It's a story they tell to themselves where it sounds like a whole good package and you're jealous because your, your thing is too vague. You want it to be vague because you don't know, and you got to be okay with that. You got to say, I know it's something with nonprofit something. That's good. That's fine. What else do you need to know? Head in that right. direction. As Lee is saying, you'll 
feel that out. You'll learn about that as you go along. You can't know that now. That's just it's a physical impossibility. You you learn this thing by getting in the motion of doing it. What 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 you're the difference between you and them is they're filling in the gaps. But if you know, if God's given you that sense of you know you want it to be something with nonprofit, it's like a compass that's going to point you the right, right direction. If you follow that direction, you'll go through these twists and turns and ups and downs and learn things along the way. But um, by having that sense of, I know the direction I need to head in, it it means whatever you do along that path is bound to help you get where you're going. So um, you're actually in better shape than these other people who aren't listening to that that tuning fork, that compass within themselves, they don't have that because they've turned that off and they say, this is too vague. I need to come up with a specific something. And that's, that's where the problem is. That's a great point. One thing I'll throw right on the end here about kind of this college major thing, because we, we get between the four of us, we get uh, this question or a variant on it a whole lot. And there are a lot of jobs and a lot of them kind of in, as this person points out, the nonprofit business world, that you cannot reverse engineer the perfect college major for. Absolutely. There are very few jobs, doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, where if you want to do that job, you have to have a degree in this thing. Yeah. Uh, pretty much anything else. If you want to work, you know you want to work in an office that does nonprofit stuff. That could be sociology, psychology, right. advertising, marketing. Yep. Uh, accounting, engineering. It could be anything that a lot of skills are ap- applicable in these kind of smaller nonprofit areas. So there's not, one of the things that I think frustrates a lot of people about who are on this kind of path in life about college, is there's not really a lockdown perfect answer. There's a lot of right. that could work. This might be a little better. So don't have to think that this one choice you make when you're 20 defines the path of your life Absolutely. for the rest of time. Absolutely. That's a lot of right. pressure. All right, we move on to our next question here. It came into our Tumblr. It says, I feel like my mom can't balance being a mother and a Christian. She thinks because she loves her children a lot, she's being a great mother. <laughs> I told her what I was feeling, and she told me everything she does is for her children. If I say anything negative, she says I'm listening to Satan because apparently everything negative comes from Satan. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's really upsetting because in the past, she's blamed her children for her backsliding. She's turning me off being a Christian. I know I'm not perfect and there's a lot I need to do to improve my Christian walk, but I don't want to be a Christian like her. But she makes me feel like if I don't agree with everything she says, I'm the one who's wrong. I feel like I don't have a mother and it doesn't feel like that's what Christianity is about. But she just doesn't see it. Lee, can you kick us off? Yeah, I definitely can. And, and you know, the first place to start on this is just to say, dang, man, this sucks. And we're sorry. Uh, we're sorry that you're, uh, you know, you're in this situation at home, and that's not the way it should be. Um, <clears throat> your mother should be a support to you. Your mother should be your cheerleader. Your mother should be encouraging you and and building you up and all those kinds of things. There's a lot of really key moments in this question, and um, and I, you know, you know, all three of us are going to hit on different points of it. But there's a couple of things that I want to talk about, and one of them is just the nature of love then there's something really cool that Jesus said. Uh, He said to his disciples, he said, they will know that you're mine by your love. And one of the things about that that's so interesting is that Jesus is saying, they are the ones who get to say whether or not they feel loved by you. Like, in other words, if if, if, if your job is to love somebody, the person who gets to rate that is the person that you're supposed to be loving. 
Yeah. That's a great point, man. And so what I'm saying is, uh, if your mother says, look, uh, I love my children. That makes me a great mom. It's like, no. I think I, I think that w- the first place we'd want to start is is we want to say, well, mom, do the do the objects of your love do they do they feel loved? If I if I just go around blindly saying, look, uh, the people in my life, I love them, I love them well, but I'm a jerk to them and I'm blind to that and they don't feel loved, then the the fact of the matter is I don't love them well. Whether or not I feel love towards them or whatever the case is, the fact of the matter is I'm not loving them well because Jesus said that the person who is loving is not the person who gets to is not credentialed to to measure or evaluate the love being given. You are the one who gets to say whether or not your mom is loving well because you are the object of the love. So that's the first key. You need to understand that when she says that kind of stuff to you, it doesn't it should not have the kind of impact that she expects from it because you actually get to say whether or not she's loving well. That's the first thing that you need to understand on that. And the second thing is I want you to look at um there's this part in the in your question where you say I know I'm not perfect. There's a lot I could do to improve my Christian walk. But I don't want to be a Christian like her. That to me is the most empowering statement in the whole question. You say I I know I'm not where I need to be as far as my walk with Jesus. But I know I don't want it like that. And I think that's really cool because there's something you said earlier in the question. You said in the past she has blamed her children for her backsliding. Yeah, that's not the kind of Christian that you want to emulate your Christian life after, okay? A a humble Christian, number one, takes responsibility for their own backsliding, okay? And their own choices and their own everything. They're not pinning that on somebody else. That's that's the first thing. What I would encourage you to do is, and and this is, look, this is going to be not just for the person who answered this question, but for a lot of our listeners, especially folks that, young folks, people that are walking with Jesus in college and even in high school that listen to this show. One thing that you're going to find is if you are serious about your walk with Jesus, if you if you love him and you spend time with him and you're seeking out community for that and you're seeking out friends and you're looking for ways to serve Jesus, I'm going to promise you something right now. Your Christian walk is sprinting past the spiritual life of your parents. Yeah. There are very few exceptions to what I just said. And so I'm going to say it one more time. If you are a young person who is serious about your walk with Jesus, you are leaving your parents in the dust spiritually. You are lapping them. And here's what I'm, and I know this is a scary turf because your parents brought you up and maybe they took you to church and maybe they told you about Jesus for the first time. You need to be comfortable with the fact that not everybody is running this thing at the same speed. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. That is okay. It's okay that, you, that you've that you outpaced your parents. I've, in working with young people for, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been working with high school kids in ministry for over 12 years. One thing I can tell you is I've seen more kids than not way outpace their parents. And it's a very uncomfortable place for them to be. It's disorienting. They don't know what to do in that, in that place, but it's okay. And here's what you need to do. You need to love your parent as your parent. And then you need to look around for another Christian mentor. You need to look mm-hmm. around for another believer to walk behind. And look, as fast as you're running, there's somebody out there who's been killing this thing for decades. And uh, for me, I know that that's what I had to do. Is I had to find somebody in my community who was, when I looked at their Christian walk, I just looked at them and said, I want what that dude has. I want it 
all the way. I want it with everything I've got. When I'm around this person, it makes me feel alive. I feel challenged. I feel encouraged. I want that. And so what I did was I found mentors like that. I found friends like that. I found a girl who was like that, and we started dating, and my whole life changed. Everything opened up. The whole thing was totally different. And, and that's what I'm encouraging you to do is to, is to say, number one, you're the one that gets to measure whether or not your mom is loving you well. Number two, it's okay that you've outstripped your mom's spiritual life. Number three, let's look around for somebody who's really killing it and, and, uh, and start pacing with them. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah, I agree with that uh, for sure. There's a lot of good wisdom there. I think part of uh, part of what you're saying here is uh, your mom is saying all this stuff about Christianity and that you don't want to be a Christian like her. I, I I would I would take that one step further and ask you: Do you think your mom's a good Christian? Yeah, because you don't. And here's the thing, you're right. So we don't want to confuse Christianity with what she's doing. Right. Because it's not that. She can call it that if she wants, bless her heart. She's confused on some things. She's lost on some things. She took some wrong turns back there, dude. And and uh, again, parents kind of do that. They, they you know, the, it's hard and complicated stuff. And sometimes you get lost in the tall weeds, man, and you, you, you know, take some wrong turns and go a few steps in the wrong direction. Next thing you know, you're blaming Satan for everything and you know, whatever. Uh, it's not cool. It's not right. It's not on target. It's, it's definitely not Christianity. And you know that. So, um, let's give ourselves permission to say, I'm a Christian. Maybe she's not so much a Christian. You know, she, she, um, she may be in the very beginning stages of Christianity and very lost and confused within that. Uh, but as Lee is saying, you've uh, almost certainly gone much further than her in her walk, if only because she's basically at square one. Uh, I think that much is obvious. So what we have here is not a Christian problem at all. It's a family problem. Uh, so we can sort of dismiss, given the fact that you don't think she's a good Christian and you're right, then we can sort of dismiss the Christian element of that. That's it, 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 Jesus is not a factor in her parenting at all. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. So that's you know we can we can go ahead and, and write that part off. Uh, so I, I think here's the hard news part of this. This is the kind of stuff that that you know that we wish we wouldn't have to say. We wouldn't want to have to point out. But I think. What what we're dealing with here is a mother that either can't or won't uh, be the kind of mother that you need. Mm -hmm. That's a hard word. I don't. I you know again. I don't. I wish that wasn't true. But what this means is all of our relationships that we have are we can sort of divide them into relationships that are two way and relationships that are one way. Uh, relationships, uh, two-way relationships are where we do stuff for them and they kind of do stuff for us. And it's not a, a tit for tat. It's not a, you know, where you keep score or anything like that. But in a dating relationship, for example, you're meant to serve and love that other person. That other person is meant to serve and love you. If you have friendships, it's a, it's a two-way exchange there. Um, so that th those relationships are meant to function in that way. Uh, one-way relationships are a little bit different. And that's a relationship, for example, that we have when we mentor someone. 
I'm meant to serve and love them. They're not meant to, uh, you know, be uh, responsible towards me or give me love back or something like that. It's, I'm not dependent on them for approval or those kinds of things. I'm there to serve them in the nature of the servant. It's meant to be one way. Now they, you know, the, the Lord may call them to do something with that and that's fine, but uh, I'm I meant to do that. In parenting is that ultimate one way relationship. It's meant for a, a mother to serve uh, her children in a, as selfless a way as it's humanly possible to do and to pray for strength and guidance on how to do that. That's, that's the whole thing of parenting. Uh, what your mom is doing is getting into a zone where, uh, she, it's being pointed out to her that's not what's happening here. And the funny thing is, is it's created a dynamic where you're trying to get her to participate in meeting that need, and she's not. And I think we need to eventually get to a point where we declare that's not going to happen. And then, in fact, it may be the kind of relationship where we do for her without expecting something in return. So in essence, the tables have turned that in, in some sort of way, she's lost that authority and, and leadership as a parent. And now she's an older female relative that you're uh, trying to deal with in as positive a way as possible, but where you're not expecting something in return. This is the complete breakdown of things that should not be. And, and we hope that your mom takes a turn and sees this stuff and, and flips around. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we may have to accept that trying to continue to pressure her to do stuff that we know she's not inclined to do, that that may be that we're, we're, we're sort of struggling and trying to get something to happen that's not going to happen. We have to think in terms of moving on at some point. That's totally right. Jed? Well, Darlin, we're so, so sorry you're going through this stuff. Um, it's massively uncool in a way that words can't really uh, convey. And uh, if it helps at all, actually, most of us on this podcast can relate to a lot of the stuff you're talking about. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I yeah, certainly can. Absolutely. And it's awful. And, and we're really, really sorry. One thing, um, and I think um, it's been hinted at already, but just to be clear, there's a lot of details about your situation we don't know because this came in anonymously. But... To the extent that you're able, I'd really encourage you to, to not be living with your mom, um, to uh, not be living yeah. at home, to you know put some good boundaries in place where you're kind of limiting the amount of interaction you're having with your mom. That, that'll help a lot, and I'd encourage you to do that as quickly and directly as you're able. You know, if you're, um, if you're wandering around the street in the city and um, there's a dude... Uh, on a street corner, and it looks like he hasn't bathed in a month, and he's yelling. Um, if if you hear him yell, the Martians are going to attack, the Martians are going to attack, it doesn't concern you. And the reason for it is you know that he's crazy. Right. You're not hearing him talk yeah. about the Martians are going to attack and think, maybe, that guy <laughs> might have a point. I might want to maybe look up, maybe... Uh, <sighs> Invest in some body armor. It's, no, that, that dude, he has problems. This is not. You're not going to buy a telescope off of that. Yeah, it's you know we're not going to worry, but we're going to go ahead and dismiss that because again, we we know it's crazy. But I think where we get really hurt in the kind of situations you're talking about is we're being told stuff that's just as crazy, but there's a small part of us that thinks maybe they've got a point. Right. And that's where the pain comes in. Um, and, and that's what's kind of coming through throughout your question is, it's that sense of you know I know she's wrong, and I know this is crazy. But there's that little part of me that just, what if? Mm -hmm. Maybe she ha maybe I maybe I do suck. 
maybe I did cause a backslide. Maybe, right. you know, and, and you know what? Maybe I am some sort of messenger of Satan sent to torment her. I know that's crazy. And when it's, when it's family, it's almost for sure that some little part of that will stick with you, like what you're saying. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so here's what we, we really want to encourage you to do is there's uh, first what I want you to know for sure, for absolute sure, is God is angry on your behalf that you've been treated mm-hmm. this way. Um, mm-hmm. God grieves with you that you've been denied a healthy experience of having a mother, uh, and God is with you in this period of recovering from that. Um, he's, he loves you. He's with you. He's so sorry you've had to go through that, and you need to know that. God is not on the side of your mom. If you're wondering right. about that, who does God agree with in the situation, let's be very clear. It is not your mom. Mm-hmm. The thing, too, is in order to get past this stuff— We have to know that it's false. We have to know that it's crazy. Here's how you do that. Preferably with a mentor involved, but even if not, just on your own. Start spending some time and journal through all the awful crap your mom didn't say. And then start Mm. asking yourself, which parts of this do I feel like she had a point on? And write those things down. Get that stuff out in the open. Even if it's just out in the open in your brain. Start being open and honest about This is what she did. This is what she said. And you know what? As I look back at it now, there is this little piece I feel like, yeah, maybe she has a point there. But now here's the thing that I really want to encourage you to do. Here's the part where you do need a mentor. You do need an older Christian. Is you need to sit down and talk that part out with somebody else. You know, my mom blamed me for her backslide. And there's part of me that thinks that's right that thinks she has a point there can you can you help to orient me to reality here can you can you give me an outside perspective if you want to see a counselor about that i actually think that'd be a great idea but someone who's maybe a little older than you and walk with the lord a little bit longer than you that can give you an outside third party perspective on this i'd encourage you to begin that process um all of us need that because here's the thing and i want to be very clear about this there are people who their way of getting by in life, their defense mechanism for survival, is that they create a reality distortion field Mm -hmm. everywhere they go. They just, they have a way of talking and interacting with people where they can say the craziest crap, but there's part of you that goes, well, maybe. Right, yeah. Um, And the thing is, that is your mom. That's that's her. That's what she's on. And, And the fact that she's good at it is why you haven't given her the middle finger and just walked away. Uh, which you would have had every right to do. The way we break that spell, like I said, start journaling it out. Write out what happened, what you went through, what she said. Start asking yourself, which parts of this do I truly dismiss and which parts do I kind of sort of think maybe somewhere in there she has a little bit of a point. And then talk that part out with somebody, a pastor, a counselor, or somebody. There's freedom waiting on the other side of this. That's right. I promise you that there is. This is not uh, the last word in your life. This is not the last word about your walk. This is not the last word about the kind of parent you are going to be. Amen. But we have to walk this journey of healing and recovery to get to the other side. God's with you in it. We're with you in it. Please don't let this be the last message you send us on this. We we would love to walk that mile with you. Let us hear from you. It's a great point. I'll close this out just by throwing a couple of verses at you. I don't I don't give you these so you can uh, use them in an argument, but I just have a guess because I've been around people like the mother mentioned this question that this is the kind of person who really loves that verse that children should obey. Yeah. yeah. They probably pull that out a lot to convince you you're a bad person. So Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, I think we can extrapolate parents out of that, Absolutely. do not exasperate your children. Yeah. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord with 
Colossians 3.21. Fathers, again, could be parents, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. That goes a lot to what Glenn was saying about that kind of, this is supposed to be a two-way relationship. Someone has not held up their end of this bargain, right. that being her, so it's no longer a two-way relationship. Yeah. It's fine to mourn that, but you have to acknowledge it before you can move on. All right, we're going to move on quickly to our last question here. This came in anonymous with our Tumblr from Tumblr user A Soulful Journey, which I have a vision of journey tunes done by a soul band. <laughs> sure. Uh, don't, you're going to get Pete to I send more myself stuff into us. Yeah. No, Pete doesn't know what journey is. <laughs> All right. They say, do you believe everything happens for a reason? How do you wrestle with that as a believer? Glenn, can you kick us off? Yeah, everything happens for a reason, but not like you think. Uh, uh, Worst selling Christian book ever. <laughs> Here's the thing. A very, very wise uh, dude named Kierkegaard said uh, something in, in Danish that I wouldn't be able to remember in Danish, but... The rough English translation is the the uh, the the tragedy uh, of the Christian life is that we uh, can only understand it and by looking at it in reverse. So we have to live it forward, but we can only understand it looking backwards. Uh-huh. Uh, what he meant by that is that um, that though everything does happen for a reason, it's all there's almost no way for us to perceive that in the moment when we're in agony. We want that reason in that moment, but the problem is if you have the reason in that moment, A, it often won't make sense, and B, it will be of absolutely no comfort to you. So um, the idea with living a a healthy Christian life is at some point you begin to recognize this, I have had things that I thought of as bad that happened to me. I I lost a job, uh, someone broke up with me, uh, I, you know, uh, broke my toe or something, something bad happened. And then that played itself forward. And then something good came out of that bad situation. And I look at that whole situation and say, well, it was all God working things together for the good. And that's good and lovely. So that means when the next bad thing happens or the next thing that I perceive as being bad, I then trust that that God is working this out for the good, and that He does have a purpose for that, and that um, that that this is happening for a reason. Now, I've never actually believed that, because I'm a human being that's honest, and I think God's just out to get me when things go wrong, and I'm I I think it's all not fair, and why does this have to happen to me? And I, and I want an explanation. Lord, show up and tell me why on earth is this happening? There must be a reason. That's my, you know, I'm supposed to notice that God has worked out all these tragedies for the good, uh, but I never quite do that in the emotions of the moment. You know, I don't have that attitude. Neither do you. You may lie to all your Christian friends and say, I just, you know, all God works all things together for the good. So I'm just believing God's going to be here. And you know, they, they don't believe it. You don't believe your it. Christians so. always become auctioneers. So, you know, it's all, uh, you, you, there's no, uh, uh, there's no way to, to get into this uh, suffering when tragedy happens and say, I want an explanation. I mean, we do. I mean, that's the human thing. You say, I, I, th- how could this happen? But the thing is, we have to recognize in that moment, 
there's no way to receive that information and process it within that situation. You can only understand what these things mean by looking at them in the rear view mirror. That's it. That's the, that's the Christian life. But here's the problem I think we have with that is that, um, particularly with Western culture, with modern sort of a sort of scientifically driven, uh, uh, Western culture, there's an attitude that, that almost nothing is mysterious. There's no real mystery to it all. Everybody, if you just do the science, you'll figure out all the answers. We've almost got almost everything figured out. Just look it up in a book. It's almost all there. Just ask anyone on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's the thing is the, the, the stuff that we don't know, and we can start with science if we want to start there. The stuff we don't know is so vastly bigger than the stuff that we do know. And that's the joy of it. That's the cool part about science is there's way more of it to do, you know. Well, it's the same thing with your life and your spiritual existence and all these other kind of things. It is mystery on top of mystery on top of mystery. There's so much depth to this. There's so much complexity to it. There's so much uh, to learn and see and discover. And, yes, we go through these terrible, terrible circumstances, and then something unusual and wonderful and amazing and good comes out of it, and you don't know whether you can be happy for that or whatever. It's, a, it's just a, it's a wild adventure that God has got you on with all these crazy, tragic, exciting things that happen. It's all kind of rolled into one, and we're just trying to make sense of all that and follow the Lord through all those kind of circumstances. But here's the thing. We have to be comfortable with this sense of mystery. Uh-huh. I don't have all the answers. I will have all the answers one day, but I don't have all those answers now. The Bible says that, that, that now we see like a dim reflection in the mirror. That means he's trying to say, you don't see how it is. You kind of see how it is. Okay. And uh, as you go through life, you'll kind of see how it is better. But then the Bible says, you know, uh, that's how we see now. But then when we go on uh, to, to be in heaven, then we'll see face to face. Then we'll see the real thing, not a reflected thing. We'll see the whole truth. We see all these mysteries will be unfolded, and we'll see how life actually works. So uh, I think it's about recognizing that we will see those things, and we will understand that. But for now, we only can understand these things. Yeah, it all happens for a reason, but if you don't know the reason, what's the point? Uh, you know, so somebody says, I lost my job. Well, don't be sad. Everything happens for a reason. Then you, you're supposed to punch them in the nose and say, well, that happened for a reason. So you can't be sad about it. So, you know, the, if it works for me, it ought to work for you, my man. So that's, you know, this is how we have to receive these beautiful gifts of nuggets of wisdom. Explanations don't always help. That's the problem that we're working from. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you, trying to explain everything is not the, the thing. You got somebody lost, somebody's hurting, somebody's been through a tragedy, a, a conflict. We're praying for our friends, by the way, in the Philippines. Yes. Uh, we're going yes, through right. a, 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 a weather disaster there. I know a lot of them are probably asking these kinds of questions. It's not about trying to explain that. It's about giving comfort. It's about giving love. It's providing physical assistance. It's being there for them. We'll figure it out another day. Right now, we just have to deal with today and uh, doing what we can to help. Absolutely, Jed. 
Well, look, when people uh, bring up the phrase, everything happens for a reason, it's almost always because something horrible has occurred. Right. Um, so, you know, let's let's talk about that for a second, because this is not one of those things that we can very effectively look at as a uh, philosophical question that's just intellectually interesting. If something horrible has happened in your life, I'm really sorry. Uh, yeah. That's that's the thing, and uh, if there's something we can do to help, uh, please let us know. Uh, one of the things I hope all of you that listen to this podcast know is we'd love to be praying for you. Um, if you got something going on in your life and and um, maybe you don't have a bunch of questions on it, but you just like some prayer, hit us. We'd love to be praying for you. So um, let us know. As Glenn said. Um, if you know somebody where something awful has happened, uh, the thing to do is to ask them, how can I help? Um, it's, it's not to uh, have a bunch to say about it. It's not to roll out uh, trite phrases. It's, uh, it's to try and help. If you're in the midst of something horrible, um, here's what I want you to know. This is not the final word. Don't give up. Um, I'm not basing this on things the Bible says, although that's in the Bible, but I'm basing this just, uh, uh, one soldier to another. Don't give up. This is not the last word. The thing, when you go through a rough time, the, the thing that the devil is hoping more than anything else that you'll do is that you'll lose heart, um, that you'll quit, uh, that you'll, that you'll give up. If you're on the green side of the grass, um, if you're still uh, on this mortal coil, God has a mission for your life, no matter what. That's always true. And the thing that the devil is hoping um, you will do in the midst of hardship is that you'll give up, that you'll stop uh, caring that God has a mission for your life, you'll stop um, wanting to do anything with that, that whether it's anger or um, self-pity or depression or discouragement, whatever your personal uh, temptation is in that moment, that you'll just throw yourself into that and just be on that for the rest of your days. That's, that's the thing that he's hoping. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. Be angry, be upset, be depressed, be discouraged, be pissed off. Just take it to God. He can yeah. handle it. What, whatever that is, take it to God. He can handle it. You might have heard before, if you haven't, it's a good thing to know, is the idea that there's no wrong way to grieve. Um, when you go through a rough time, when something bad happens, maybe, God forbid, you lose someone, um, there's not actually a wrong set of feelings to have in connection with that. Um, some people feel angry. Some people feel uh, sad. Some people just feel numb. Whatever that is, the Christian thing in that moment is just to take it to God. Just tell him what you're dealing with. Just tell him what you're looking at. He can handle it. And then, when you've told him what you're dealing with, ask him for the strength to go one more day. That's it. Don't try and have big answers. Um, don't and, and don't try and say, well, I, I'm the kind of Christian I'd never give up, because that, that's not going to work well. Just ask God for the strength to deal with one more day. If in the midst of tragedy... If you will go to God and tell him how you feel, and you'll ask him for the strength to walk one more day, and you'll go that one more day without giving up, you are as a maximum strength Christian as it gets. That's, that is the full deal. That is A-plus Christianity. And here's what I know is you can do that. 
you've got what it takes to do that. There's a lot of people that uh, fake off and fade in that moment, but if you're listening to this podcast, um, particularly as um, offensive and awful as we can be at times, um, if you're listening, you've got what it takes to do that. You've got what it takes to go to God, be honest with Him, um, to, to get your anger and discouragement and depression off your chest and put it on Him, and then get that strength to walk one more day. We love you. We believe in you. Uh, above all else, don't give up. Absolutely. Lee? Um, I, I'm, I, I am in complete agreement with the things that these guys have shared on this and, um, and I'm just like them, you know, you, this, this question probably didn't come out of a vacuum. This probably isn't just a theoretical thing. And so <clears throat> as Jeb was saying, whatever's going on, I, I'm really sorry. I will say that there are going to be people in your life and you've probably run into them already that what they will do is. At every turn, they will try to correct your theology. You know, if you try to be honest about the way you feel, what they're going to do is try to correct your theology. They're going to they're going to come at you with Bible verses and blah blah blah. And here's the thing: the reason that they're doing that is because they're afraid. They're afraid that you're going to freak out and you're going to stop believing the Lord and you're going to lose your faith and all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing that you need to know. Jesus is not afraid of any of that. He's not afraid of, of anything. He's not, he's not threatened by your questions. He's not upset by your, uh, by your emotional response. He's not going to judge that. First uh, Timothy says that he has unlimited patience. Okay, Jesus knows where this is going to end. He knows how he's going to get you there. He knows how he's going to use all these things in your life. And the reason that that's important is that he's not afraid of the process of you honestly walking through it. When you look at some of the things that David said in the Psalms to God, it feels really irreverent. I mean, he said things to God in the Psalms. I mean, at one point he says, when are you going to come out of your stupor? And it's like, it, that feels so rude. But I mean, he's essentially saying to God, you're drunk, go home. Like, what's wrong with you? When are you going to wake up? At one point, David says to God, what did I ever do to you that you would treat me like this? And, you know, and he's just looking at these questions and he's suffering, he's having all these problems. And he says these things to God. And here's the most interesting thing to, to me about that is that God has ordained that forever those questions and that attitude would be enshrined in his holy word in the Bible. It's in there. He wanted it in there, and it's important because this is what this guy was really feeling. You're, you're going to have friends who debate your faith and try to move you out of the things that you feel, but that's, they're doing that because they're afraid. They're afraid, and the fact is that they don't trust the Lord as much as they need to because they need to trust the Lord that He knows what He's doing with you, and He's able to handle your emotions. He's able to w handle the way that you feel. Um. I think the number one thing in the middle of a situation like this, I love that you use the word wrestle in the question. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Absolutely. Like Glenn said, absolutely. Um, how do you wrestle with that as a believer? That's a great question. And I think what these guys are saying is exactly right. The way that you wrestle with it is you wrestle with it honestly. You wrestle with it honestly, and you surround yourself with people who know how to be, who know how to listen to you, who know how to comfort you, who know how to come in on a note of, I'm sorry, of course you feel that way. Is there anything I can do for you? That's the, that is the kind of person that you want to be around when you're feeling these things. And, uh, and it's important that you not judge the way that you feel. 
and you're just honest about it. That's the way that you wrestle with it, is as honestly as possible, knowing that Jesus has unlimited patience, and he is not afraid of your feelings. He's not worried about where this is going to go. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows in the end. It's one of, uh, it's one of the, the verses that I love that, that Matt uh, quotes all the time from Revelation 21. He knows that in the end, he's going to wipe every tear from every eye. He knows that's going to happen. He knows the beautiful way that he's going to convince us all that there's no more reason to cry. I mean, I, I don't know how that's possible with all the stuff that's happened in this world especially like Glenn's talking about with what's going on with our brothers and sisters in the Philippines I, right now. I, I don't know how that's possible, but he knows he can do it. He's got, he's got something up his sleeve. As Glenn said, it's, it's, it's mysterious. But while you're in the middle of this, and whatever you're feeling, whatever you need to say, he's not judging you on that. So I think the way that you wrestle with this is, as a believer, you wrestle with it as honestly as possible. And you surround yourself with people who are not afraid to sit with you in that space. That's an excellent point. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you leave us a Tumblr message that you want to make sure it gets on the podcast, just mention in the message that you want for the podcast. Also, just remember, you can sign up missionusa.com slash bridgebox. That's our normal bridgebox produced by us here in Chicago. Ooh. Or if you want the specific Lee Younger version with a new track from Lee every month, missionusa.com slash BBLY. Each of those are $8 a month. Or if you want to get both for $12 a month, you can email Matt at missionusa.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Unapologetically funky. (laughs) 